Welcome to the Pulse of the Prairies podcast brought to you by Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. Each month, this podcast tackles the topics that are important to pulse crop farmers, including market opportunities for your crops, market access and trade policy developments, innovative agronomic approaches, grain transportation, and a whole lot more. My name is Carl Potts, and I'm the Executive Director of the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. Today, I'm joined by Dave Greenshields, SPG's Director of R&D. And we're going to talk about where pulse breeding is going in the future. Thanks for joining me today, Dave. Well, thanks for having me, Carl. So, Dave, uh, SPG has made some major investments in pulse breeding over the past 20 years or so. Can you give us a snapshot of what kind of investment SPG has made and what some of those outcomes have been over the years? Sure. Yeah, so um, in the last 20 or so years, uh, SPG's invested upwards of $40 million uh, directly into pulse crop breeding. Um, and, and on top of that, we've, we've spent an additional $20 million or so on genetics and genomics projects that support breeding. So things like genome sequencing or marker development and that sort of thing. Uh, most of this uh, investment has gone uh, to the Crop Development Center at the University of Saskatchewan to that breeding program there. But we also have uh, research projects across Canada um, and into the U.S. and, and in Europe as well uh, to support uh, pulse crop breeding for Saskatchewan farmers. With that investment, there have been 129 uh, varieties released through the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Variety Release Program. And those have all been released royalty-free uh, to growers in Saskatchewan. And, you know, of those, those 29 or 129 varieties, uh, they occupy upwards of 90% of the pulse acres in Saskatchewan. Uh, crops like lentils, it's it's closer to 100%. And then peas, you know, there's a few different programs like AFC and, and there's some other varieties from elsewhere as well. Um, but yeah, that uh, it's been a big investment, but there there have been some really big returns too. So there's there's quite a bit that has changed or is changing in the pulse breeding landscape uh, or, or or breeding landscape more generally, I guess. Can you give us a sense of uh, of what's changing uh, in in the world in terms of uh, uh, you know, regulations that impact pulse breeding, um, changes in uh, in growth of acres and, and things like that 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 are uh, that are resulting in some change uh, recently. Sure. Yeah, so there are a number of, of pretty big changes in the last few years. I guess the first one um, that a lot of people will have heard of, especially in the last year or so, um, is that in 2015, Canada revised, the government revised the, the Plant Breeders' Rights Act uh, to conform with the UPAV 91 Convention. And basically what this means is that um, now there there's a law in place that allows plant breeders uh, to have the ability to charge a royalty um, either on the seed or on the harvested grain of a protected variety. So if they have these PBR rights, these plant breeders rights on a variety, then they can, yeah, they can charge a trailing royalty um, on seed every time it's planted or potentially an endpoint royalty when the grain is harvested and sold. So, you know, if you compare that to what it's like Today, you know that you, you pay a royalty when you buy certified seed, and that royalty then is remitted back to the breeder. Uh, but this way, you know you can have a royalty that yeah that that goes on uh, for future plantings as well. So that's kind of the first major change. The second one 
is that, you know, in the last 25 years or so, uh, there's been well, at least a tripling of, of pulse crop acres um, in Canada. So, you know, we've gone from around two and a half, uh, three million acres up to um, around nine million acres. So, you know, especially for crops like chickpeas, lentils, we've seen, you know, a huge uh, explosion in the number of acres compared to where they were 25 years ago. So when you have those two things together, the the ability to, you know, uh, collect more royalties on, on pulse crops um, and the expansion of acres, then you start to get to, you get interests from outside parties into breeding pulse crops and into variety development. I mean, it's not, if you compare the, the number of acres to the U.S., like say, you know, there's like 90 million acres or 95 million acres of corn this year in the U.S., and I think 85 or 90 million acres of soybeans. Um, it's not that at that level, but but it's big enough that, you know, lentils or, or peas especially, that, you know, it starts to attract some some outside interest. I guess another change is that, um, you know, SPG has a long-standing relationship with the Crop Development Center I talked about uh, just before this, uh, where we've been investing directly uh, in plant breeding at the Crop Development Center, and then in return we uh, have royalty-free access to the varieties that come out of that program. And that, uh, that agreement is ending um, in September of 2020. And then if you couple that with the with the UPOV 91, uh, the expansion of acres, and then also the ability of, uh, I guess, smaller companies or, or individuals to use um, genomics tools more cheaply and easily than they used to be able to in the past, I think those things all together uh, are going to really change kind of how pulse breeding is done uh, in Canada. So with all those things taken together, uh, Dave, what, what do you think that uh, those changes could uh, could result for, uh, for for farmers in terms of you know positive uh, benefits that uh, that could result to to Saskatchewan pulse farmers as a result of some of the uh, landscape changes that we're seeing? Yeah, I think you know there, this could actually have some yeah some some really uh, interesting and, and good outcomes for. For growers in Saskatchewan, you know that the more uh, people that are competing, um, and and the you know the more breeders that are that are involved in in breeding new varieties, uh, will you know hopefully lead to increased choice in, in what you can grow. Um, I think it'll at least speed things up in terms of getting new uh, new traits, say you know new traits around herbicide tolerance or disease resistance or that sort of thing. Um, I think you'll see uh, kind of an acceleration in breeding uh, to that end. Uh, it'll also allow, you know, kind of new genetics from other places to come in, right? When you have a breeding program, a single breeding program, breeding for a lot of acres, you end up getting, you know, some bottlenecks there where you can't use all of the material in the world at one time in a single breeding program, right? So if you have different kind of bases of genetics from different places, you know, developing into into the next set of varieties. Um, I think it'll it'll be some yeah you know, some interesting differences between varieties and more kind of obvious differences or marked differences between different varieties uh, coming out of these programs. 
So with SPG's current breeding agreement with the Crop Development Center coming to an end later this year, and some of the changes that you've, that you've talked about, we sometimes get questions from producers at meetings or uh, or calls to the office about if we're moving to uh, a system where farmers may pay royalties for pulse crop varieties in the future, how are we protecting uh, farmers' investment in, in the dollars and, uh, and investment that growers have made all over the years in variety development um, and, and protecting and, and recognizing that? Yeah, so the agreement, I guess to back up a little bit, the agreement uh, that we have currently with the Crop Development Centre that's ending um, in September of 2020. That agreement allowed uh, SPG to have the commercial rights to all of the intellectual property developed on pulse crops at the Crop Development Centre. So that will continue, uh, regardless of whether the the agreement um, is in place or not. Uh, we will continue to have those rights. So anything that was developed before uh, September 30th, 2020 at the Crop Development Center, SPG will have commercialization rights to. You know, the, I guess the difference uh, will be that past September 30th, 2020, you know, the, the CDC will be able to have uh, additional partners that uh, for their breeding program. Um, you know, and so those partners may have different ideas or different targets than, than SPG had in the past. So, um, you know, there could be different outcomes there. Um, and then SPG can also have different partners. I mean, when you're, when you're supporting an entire breeding program, it's, you know, that's kind of the majority of your breeding dollars are going to that uh, program. Uh, when you're not, you know, don't have that same kind of relationship, then you have the ability to to work with whoever you want, right? I mean, we could use the investment that um, that we had invested directly at the CDC to to work with you know another partner and still maintain um, or bring in the the uh, IP that that was developed at the CDC and that we have rights to into you know another partnership. It's not that we're losing something. Um, you know, with the relationship changing, it's that, yeah, there's a change, right? I mean, we, we will still maintain the rights that, that we had uh, from the beginning. So do you expect uh, SPG and CDC to continue to work together uh, as we go forward? Oh, yeah, I, I think definitely. I mean, you know, we have one of the best breeding programs in the world. I mean, on pulse crops especially, you think about uh, the size and the scope of that breeding program, and it's right here in our backyard. I think it would be... Uh, would be foolish to to uh, just step away from something like that. So yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, that we'll work together in the future. I mean, we won't work together in the same way, but uh, but yeah, I think we'll definitely do exciting things together. So we know that uh, that well adapted pulse varieties for Saskatchewan will continue to be important for all pulse growers in in the province. Um, what role do you see SPG playing uh, in, in supporting breeding and variety development as we go forward? You've talked about how uh, the, the breeding landscape has changed. You've talked a bit about how the, um, you know, the existing model, the existing arrangement with the Crop Development Center that we've had over the last 20 years has has changed. So, you know, how do you see SPG's uh, role in supporting variety development and uh, and breeding in the future? Yeah. So I think that. Rather than supporting a program like we have in the past, 
I think it, it makes sense now for SPG to support specific outcomes um, that we're interested uh, in and, and specific outcomes that we feel will give the most kind of bang for the buck uh, for uh, Paul Scurvers in Saskatchewan. So we have an opportunity to really look at what breeding targets, you know, we think are the most important and then fund those specifically without, you know, funding a lot of the background uh, work. So, you know, things that, that we're really focused on right now um, are looking at resistance to root rots um, in peas and lentils. Uh, there's some great work that's been going on uh, at the CDC uh, on peas um, and, you know, just any way that we could accelerate uh, getting that resistance into the hands of growers. Um, I think, you know, that's a, that's an area of focus for us. And then looking for new resistance uh, traits to get into peas. Um, and, and we've been talking to, you know, different companies and, and different uh, breeding institutes in the U.S. and, and uh, actually across the world and, and just, you know, trying to find other other uh, uh, potential resistance traits that we can bring in. In lentils, a little further behind, but, you know, I think there is some opportunity there to get uh, resistance uh, in lentils to root rots as well. There's some recent work out of uh, Washington State University, and we've been talking to them about, you know, their the development of, or their, I guess, discovery of, of resi resistance genes in, in lentils. And maybe how we could get that into uh, to some of our you know best uh, best lentil varieties here. Herbicide tolerance in lentils uh, is another area that uh, I think is really important to growers. And having a new herbicide tolerance platform in lentils, I think would uh, would really help uh, growers out here. So that's something that we're looking at. And then another specific target that we're looking at is to <clears throat> get. Uh, expanded acres of minor crops. Um, if you think about the root rot problem in peas and lentils, you know, one of the ways to get around that is to have alternative crops that you can grow, alternative pulse crops that you can grow in your rotation. And so, you know, I think to kind of expand the range of, of chickpeas, dry beans, faba beans, those are those are other targets that, that we'll be looking towards. One of the questions we get from growers also is, is will they have to pay royalties on uh, on pulse crop varieties? So maybe you could talk a little bit about how you see you know the future for that as well as for for existing varieties that already have been been released. Yeah, so I think that you know that's kind of the way the industry is headed. I think there'll be some sort of um, of UPOV ninety one enabled royalty system. Um, eventually, you know, we've, we've already seen that, uh, um, Cantera, uh, has a few, I think it's a couple cereal or a couple of wheat varieties that, uh, that have come out that have a trailing royalty associated with them. And, you know, I think that seems to be the way that, uh, that the industry is moving. You know, it might not happen on pulses right away, uh, but there certainly is going to be some sort of royalty, right, on, on certified seed. Because if if SPG um, isn't releasing uh, these new new varieties, you know, five years down the road, there will be royalties on those varieties that are released, right? I mean, if you buy uh, Chrome or Carver peas from from Ag Canada, then royalties when you buy that seed, royalties are are remitted back to Ag Canada. And so I think the same thing will probably be in place for uh, CBC varieties in the future. You know, for 
the varieties that SPG currently has the rights to that we release through the variety release program and the ones that'll come out in the next couple of years. Yeah, no, those aren't, there won't be royalties on those. We'll keep maintaining those royalty free for as long as growers want to grow them. Right. I mean, that, I think that's actually a really good kind of system of checks and balances. If you have a new royalty system coming up and you maintain the royalty free varieties at the same time, then you can't really charge you know any sort of royalty on something that's not better than something that's free right so it kind of sets a it sets a high bar for uh for developing new varieties that that have to be quite a bit better than the varieties that are free so that that'll be uh, an interesting thing to watch i think in you know as as we get away from the variety release program varieties um, from the CDC and our, our current kind of system that we have at SPG, you know, we'll still participate um, in variety development, right, with other other parties or the CDC possibly. And I think, you know, like other commissions do, like uh, wheat commission, their barley commissions in Saskatchewan and other places, yeah, we'll work with with breeders and, and develop varieties and, and get those ones out there. I think what we want to ensure in in that system, though, is that there's a direct return to growers, right? So if we're putting in at-risk dollars uh, into variety development, so if we're investing in, in variety development, just like any other investor, say if we were a private company, then we would expect a return back. And I think growers can respect a return back um, on those investments, I guess to summarize, yes, I think there, there, you know, there, there will be royalties down the road. We'll maintain the royalty-free varieties that we have and maintain them as royalty-free varieties. But if we're developing new varieties past uh, the, the current agreement, then any royalties that are collected on will get a share of those royalties, and that share will go back into. Uh, plant breeding and development and, and other things that are beneficial to uh, Saskatchewan pulse growers. Yeah, so it really sounds like a, a transition in the way in which farmers uh, pay for access to uh, to new varieties. So shifting from being the you know the upfront investor um, in in breeding and variety support to instead really um, you know paying for and, and buying access to those varieties that look promising you know on uh, uh, you know, through royalties on on the back end, so it's a it's a transition and a switch there. And you've described, I think, a, a bit about you know, how SPG uh, you know may manage uh, and and may look to invest you know to support you know variety development of new varieties. But like you said, if there as long as there's a, a return on investment for that uh, that particular investment, so I think uh, I think that's been helpful in, in clarifying that. So as you look forward, Dave, but what, what has you excited about the future for pulse variety development for Saskatchewan producers as you uh, as you look forward? Yeah, so I think, you know, I talked about the changing landscape kind of at the outset there, and, and I think that is really an exciting uh, opportunity. I, I know that we've had a good thing going, and, and acres have grown, and, and um, you know, we've developed a, a, a great you know, kind of industry of, of uh, pulse growing and, and selling and exporting. And, you know, it's been a huge development over the last 20, 25 years. 
but this changing landscape now, the fact that we have that um, kind of that big base, uh, growing base, those, those acres, um, and we have good varieties, you know, it, it, it'll having new people coming in and fresh ideas coming in. Um, I think that's really exciting and I think it'll, it'll change and I think it'll improve the varieties that we're seeing coming out and the, the breeding that we're seeing done. I think we'll see some new companies uh, coming in and that'll be interesting. And, you know, uh, probably they'll, there could be a rush of, of, uh, new interest and then um, it'll you know kind of mature over time but I think it'll be an exciting uh, few years coming up I think another good opportunity or big opportunity in, in pulse crops is the development of new breeding tools things like gene editing where you can kind of go in and 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 specifically change a gene um, rather than than kind of doing random mutations throughout the genome and then selecting for that that specific mutation, um, I think that could really speed things up. So we're, you know, it's, there's some regulatory issues around that now, and, and it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But there's an opportunity then to make Canada a real leader in the use of of gene editing, and it kind of puts small acre crops like pulses on you know the same stage as as other kind of bigger acre crops like corn and soy. So I think that'll be interesting. And I think, you know, at the same time, uh, we're, we're reaching a critical mass with the information that's come out of some of the investments that we've made before. So if you think about the genetics and, and genomics tools that we've invested in, like the genome sequences of, you know, many different uh, variety or many different types of lentils and different species and, and, uh, different accessions from all over the world, that sort of thing. I mean, we've spent a lot of, you know, time and investment developing those resources. And I think if you can start to couple that investment uh, with these new breeding tools and with a regulatory landscape that, that allows um, these, these things to be used, uh, that could be really exciting. You know, in the next five or 10 years, I think you could, Again, you can see a real acceleration in, in the development of new traits and the you know development of new uh, varieties. So, yeah, that's something that I'm excited about, too. I wanted to ask you about, uh, about growth and, and new market uh, opportunities. So, over the past 30 years, our, the growth in our sector has been built on largely increases in, in market share and demand in some traditional pulse-consuming countries where consumers consume pulses, you know, one whole or split format. South Asia, we've had huge growth from markets like India over that time period, you know, South America, Latin America, uh, Middle East, other places like that. Um, but now we're, we're highly reliant on just a handful of very large markets for, uh, for market access. And so we know that in pulses, we know that in, in canola and, and cereals and others, that that poses a significant amount of, of risk to us. So as you know, the, uh, the Canadian pulse industry has a diversification strategy of trying to get to 25% of our domestic production into new use markets by 2025. Uh, and so that's about building ingredient demand uh, in non-traditional markets in, in a lot of cases and looking for maybe not new countries to export to, but different types of, of uses. How do you think, Dave, um, do we... Uh, do we sort of switch some focus in in breeding and variety development, you know, to um, to focus on those markets for the future? There's been a lot of work done to improve size, shape, and color for some of those traditional markets, but 
you know, as we go forward, I see more opportunity for ingredient utilization and those sort of things. How do we, you know, how do these changes in pulse rating that you're talking about help to accommodate and, and facilitate that? Yeah, so I, I think that, you know, the, the, I guess, having the information kind of is, is step one on that. And I know that, um, you know, with this 25% by 2025 program uh, that Pulse Canada is leading, that's kind of one of the one of the roadblocks, I guess, that you run into um, if you're an ingredient company is that, you know, you don't know which, say if you wanted to go and, and I want to buy this variety of lentils because they have this kind of profile. Well, that information isn't readily available and it's not available, you know, on kind of a, the influence of, of how you, um, grow the crop, how you manage, you know, your, your kind of on-farm practice and how even the environment uh, plays into that end-use quality. So I think that's kind of step one is, is getting that information and that kind of baseline um, in place. And that, that's something that, you know, we're starting to, to look at, at at SPG as well is to develop a system of, of kind of defining the quality um, by variety and by environment so that that information is available and, and people know which specific varieties they might want in their process. So to get back to the breeding part of it, you know, once you have that kind of baseline, then you know, okay, well, you know, th there's a gap here, right? So there's a gap, say, in this particular quality in, in lentils that, you know, makes good flour for this, uh, this process. So that's a breeding target. So then you could eventually see, you know, ingredient manufacturers or, um, or even end use customers and, and uh, food manufacturers coming all the way back uh, to the breeder to say, you know, this is something that I'm interested in. And, you know, can you breed specifically for that? And I think with the advent of, of, you know, new breeding tools and, and the kind of the genomic resources and that sort of thing that, that we've been working on, the ability to, to go back and specifically look at, at targeted um, outcome-based breeding, yeah, I think that's, that's possible um, in the next few years. So I think that's, that's kind of an exciting thing that could come out of it. Mm -hmm. So we've talked a lot about uh, breeding and, and variety development, and that's been a, an important part of, uh, of SPG's investment portfolio over the last, last number of years, but it certainly isn't, uh, isn't the only thing that we're investing in in, in R&D. Uh, just a, maybe a, a bit broader question, how else uh, do you think SPG's R&D program will uh, support uh, growers in the province as we go forward? Right. So, I mean, I, I just talked a little bit about the, the pulse quality program and defining the, the quality of all of the different varieties that we grow by environment and by management practice. And I think that's an, that's an interesting one that'll, that'll definitely benefit growers in terms of knowing what management practice to use, you know, to, to get what sort of quality you want. The same goes with varieties. We have a uh, program that we call the right genetics in the right place. And the idea behind that is to look at how varieties perform in specific areas of Saskatchewan, and then to be able to give farm-directed 
recommendations on which variety you should grow. So say, you know, I'm, I'm farming in, in this, this area here, right? Or, you know, I'm, I'm farming in this part of the province, what variety should, of lentil should I grow or what variety of pea should I grow? And, and the, you know, we hope to be able to provide a list of the top three that, that are the best performing for your specific area. Um, so that's another one that we're working on. Um, we also have, have an agronomy program uh, every year that really what it aims to do is to uh, translate the, I guess, the results of research that we've invested in um, into on-farm practice. So we invest a lot uh, into, you know, university uh, research, kind of small plot research to to look at what practices can improve yields. So, you know, we have a, we fund a weeds program uh, that I talked about on an earlier podcast uh, with uh, Dr. Chris Willenberg. You know, th- some of those small plot kind of herbicide testing work that he's done and, and, and tests that he's developed, that can be translated through our agronomy program into demonstrations, into larger kind of on-farm demonstrations and then we can see if that works or, or uh, truth testing is the uh, the word that a lot of people use or the term that a lot of people use for that. And, and to see, you know, whether something that worked uh, kind of in a research program can then work on farm. So that's part of our agronomy program. Um, then we also have work uh, uh, going on uh, with Pulse Canada uh, for the 25 by 2025 and, you know, looking at, kind of what are the roadblocks to the incorporation of, of pulses into uh, to new ingredients or, or new uses, new markets, and looking at uh, what kind of research we need to fund in processing um, to kind of get over those barriers. And then, you know, we have a number of other research projects kind of that are uh, directed at, you know, testing uh, products for uh, the mitigation of root rots, for instance, um, looking at developing assays that can um, easily identify pathogens in the field and and a number of other things like looking at uh, pea breeding for protein, for instance, um, with a, with Ag Canada and Lacombe. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of a lot of different projects that we're working on, a lot of different areas uh, outside of breeding. And uh, I think you know we're we're, all of the areas that we're working on are, are focused uh, to deliver uh, value directly to farmers. And, uh, yeah, breeding is, is uh, the most obvious one that people see every day. But, but a lot of the, you know, recommendations on fertility, on seeding rates, on, on, you know, spray timing, that sort of thing, those are all things that have come out of research programs, have, you know, been demonstrated uh, through our agronomy a program and with other collaborators and then have been communicated um, through fact sheets or through, uh, you know, podcasts and, and newsletters and that sort of thing as well. Um, so, yeah, there's a, it's a, a big system of, uh, of R&D to get, to get tools into the hands of growers. Yeah. So, so we're pushing up on uh, our time limit here. I th- thought I would maybe just uh, leave it open to you, Dave. Are there any other um, topics or, or, uh, or, points or things that you wanted to uh, to get across in our conversation here today? Um, no, I just, uh, I guess I'd reiterate that I think it's it's an exciting time. There's a lot of changes going on in pulse breeding right now, both in the way that pulse breeding is, is funded, but also, you know, new tools, uh, potentially new 
breeders coming in. And then, you know, there's a lot of interest on, on pulses as, as ingredients and pulse protein and that sort of thing. So um, that's getting more eyes on, on pulse breeding. So yeah. I know it's an exciting place to be right now for sure. Well, thanks a lot for uh, for your time uh, here today, Dave. Really appreciate your insight on on pulse breeding and, and R and D more uh, more generally. So, thank you for joining us today for the Pulse of the Prairies podcast. For more information, please visit the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers website at saspulse.com. Also, you can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and the Google Play Store.